Hi, this is Kathy St. George. I like to talk about my body. I don't know about my work. I try to do as little of that as possible. I make everyone else look beautiful. In fact, I'm really a man. You're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye bye Saturday night. Good evening, everybody. It is TalkCast 210. Tonight, brought to you by the Cedar Grove Chamber of Commerce, reminding you that having a trolley running through a graveyard isn't odd, it's just creepy. Deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 9 True North Slidewalk, next to the Richard and Marty Nixon School of Phlebotomy, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight are the usual suspects. In the Revere Time Vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, president of technicalness, sometimes level-headed, oft-times outspoken, occasionally awesome, potentially acerbic, the woman who put the cat in catness, whatever that means, it's Kriana. <laughs> oh, I'll put the cat back in catness anytime you want. <laughs> From the stacks of her personal silence, I'm in the Dank Dungeon reading room, which she remembers to unmute herself. She can be quite interesting or verbose. It's an or, not an and. The personal assistant, Jeffrey Peterson, and friend of robots everywhere, Zombrarian. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence is hot. I have nothing more of note to say. From the four-color vault of comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, our ginger ingenue. The woman best remembered as the understudy for Blanche Dubois and the zombie version of Tennessee Williams' Dead Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Her own reanimated body double for Elvira, the dead redhead. I'd like to say congratulations to the word science, Merriam-Webster's word of the year. Only because some people, oh, never, oh. no, 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 I'm not going there. <laughs> so not going there. Wait, wait, what uh, was the other word of the year? Um, shit, it was really stupid. Molybdenum. No? No, that's a metal. No, wasn't it? It was one of the newer. It was one of those bebop words, wasn't it? Bebop words. Okay, (laughs) now I'm googling this word of the year. It was. um, Well, now I'm now I'm only getting science, but it was clearly not Merriam-Webster because no one actually cares about. It was selfie. Yes, thank you, Oxford. Thank you, Oxford. No, that wasn't the word of the year. That was the that was one of the words they added to the OED. Um, this says Oxford Dictionary's word of the year was selfie. Well, I mean, it's CNN. They don't lie, right? No, never. They've never. Uh, look at those cars. They're going somewhere. I don't know where. Oh, sorry. Let's follow them. <laughs> Our guest tonight, if you like the opening uh, montage, if you like the closing music, if you like books that scare the crap out of you, Rob Watts, welcome to the show. This sounds like a bad prank phone call. Doesn't actually. it, though? It yeah. is. That's a secret. <laughs> it's a one-hour bad prank. 
Yeah. Zombrian, oh. here, now look, here's some proof. I, I hate to do this to you. I believe you, I'm just sad. The, oh, first of all, things things I didn't know. OxfordDictionaries.com has a blog. I knew, wait, is it the Oxford English Dictionary? No, it's, it's the Swedish Dictionary. <laughs> yeah, like... 19th November, Oxford, UK. Today, Oxford Dictionaries announces... Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think that's separate from the OED. I mean, I'm hoping for your sake. You're praying, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That might be wishful thinking, but I think that's separate from the OED. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Now, Now I'm looking up the Oxford English Dictionary. Here, here's the moment of truth... Drum roll, please. Um, I don't think that I can actually search for a word on this. Because... No, you can't. You need to pay. Alright, then potentially it is different than the Oxford English Dictionary. Ha! In which case, they're probably committing trademark infringement. Uh Uh-oh. Do they even have a word of the year? Oxford. No, the big news the is always when the OED decides to add. Oh work. wait, Oxford Dictionaries Online. Oh my God, it is the same one. <gasps> no, what? My life is over. I'm going away now. Bye. <laughs> On behalf of the Oxford English Dictionary, we're very sorry. <laughs> we're we're really disappointed in you, OED. Really, yes. really disappointed in you. Wow. You can do better. Well, it's interesting because in Britain, things are getting quite strange, and not just with OED. How's wow, that, that was such a, a great segue, Dome. I don't Thank know. you. I feel like I'm back in, in AM radio. So so you <laughs> fell into what we call at work the sarcasm. I certainly uh-huh. damn well did. You know, J.J. Abrams, for the past couple of weeks, has been apologizing. As well for, he should, but for, for what this Star time? Trek, Star Trek II Into Darkness. Okay, that's a good start. Okay, he started He started by saying, you know what, you guys are right. I put too much damn lens flare into this movie. Oh, brother. And you know what, he did. And I then... S- I still haven't seen it. That's okay, you didn't miss anything. I know. Then he said, I'm really sorry we lied about Benedict Cumberbatch not being con." Because the studio wanted it to be this big reveal, and it kind of was, but it also kind of blew up in our face. To which, Benedict Cumberpatch replied in an interview yesterday, what a dickhead. (laughs) And I would like to add to his comment, what a dickhead, no shit, Sherlock. It goes on to say, thank you, thank you. The, the then goes on to say, the amount of times we had to lie for him, the amount of times I had to talk about it not being my character, oh no, what a dickhead. I love it. <laughs> well, you know what? He was a dickhead. Um, the first time it came out online and didn't go away, he should have just fessed up and been like, well, we kind of wanted it to be a surprise, but, you know. It went out, so. Whatever. Yeah. Fire the page who leaked it and move on with your life. Actually, it was leaked first by Entertainment Weekly. 
Well, no, it wasn't leaked by Entertainment Weekly. Entertainment Weekly broke it, but I'm sure That's... Entertainment Weekly wasn't on set and went like, yep, he's con. Better print that. No, they had a picture, and they weren't supposed to label it Kirk and Con. It was a picture of Chris Pine and Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, wow. They, okay. They were specifically told not to label it that way, and they mistakenly said, oh, okay, boom, and then they did so it. So you fire the PA who left that in there, <laughs> you and go. you move on with your life. I mean, come on. When something like that happens, you just got to know you're done already. Really? Like, come on, guys. Let's, let's play for realsies here. In the real life, you can't put that Katniss back in the bag. <laughs> I see what you did there. Thank you. <laughs> I'm on a roll tonight. She yeah, is. is. So anyhow, Cumberbatch was talking about this while he was shooting season three of Sherlock. No Holmes. shit, Sherlock. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Don't. You can't do it twice, though. You can't do it twice. I then can if it. I say so. <clears throat> you can, but you've actually killed it at that point. Just so you know. I don't care. Okay. You know mm -hmm. why? No, why? Because Peter Capaldi's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't care. You, you look into those eyes, even if they're just staring back at you from a screen, and you're like, yes? It's like, oh my. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly what it's like. <laughs> For men you know, and women. I've seen men be dumbfounded by his eyes. I really like the idea of a new doctor who isn't... Twelve? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> who doesn't have the mental age of an infant, yeah. I don't mind them being young and attractive, strapped I just, lads. I just something different. But mm -hmm. I do appreciate the difference, and I find Peter Capaldi hot in a very confusing way. <laughs> I'll be the first to admit it. I'm like he that man is very attractive. It's not like David Tennant, he's super quirky. I know why he's hot and Matt Smith is just not hot at all. There's nothing about him that's attractive, but he's goofy and endearing and I I came down with that. That's okay. But Peter Capaldi, I'm like I wow, but confused. Mhm. Mm yeah, I don't know. But the eyes. Totally confused, huh? Staring back at me. Yeah, They're not it. even there, but I'm just imagining them there. <laughs> oh, boy. And it's like, oh, my. So, you want to talk about Walking Dead's mid-season finale? I did not watch it. Just like I haven't watched the entire season of Walking Dead so far, and I'm not going to. Okay, well, then shut up, because you obviously have nothing to say. If you uh, that's it. what I was saying. So, so I saw it. <laughs> yes, so did and I. about a month ago, I was saying, you know what I really like about this Walking Dead season? That they got rid of the governor because he was boring, and I don't want to see all that humans are the real enemy crap. I want to see zombies. You know what we didn't see for three episodes? Zombies. Zombies. Two he of was those much episodes, better on Doctor Who. spoilers everyone, focused on the governor. Walking Dead is on a very short string with me. <laughs> very short. You're on notice. And they sent Carol away, so basically they're on a short string that's on fire. <laughs> and they're going to have to work hard to regain my love and trust. 
adorable blonde children shooting people in the head, that was a step forward. <laughs> yeah, for me, but it was all about the tank. still going to need to work hard. It was still all about the tank. You know, somebody said, we haven't had a good tank fight since that season one. We need another Can one. Can Eastman say that? <laughs> <laughs> now, now, can I just say, for the record, yes. that humans are the real evil can be done well. And you know who's done it well? Please tell us. Supernatural. Oh, God. Every time they have humans as the real enemy, Dean just sort of goes, Humans, man! And <laughs> and you just get the, the idea that humans are always the sickest bastards on the planet. And I kind of find that true. And they're just kind of like, shrug, yep, humans are the sickest bastards on the planet. And then we move on. By the way, big, big hello to Griffin S, by the way, who sent me a wonderful email this week. <laughs> we, we don't need to dwell. Uh-oh. <laughs> we lost, like, what, just random. You just speak random in the, in the middle of my sentence there. We lost Ed Redhead for a second. I'll get her back. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's better than Walking Dead? Go ahead. Virtually anything. Well, yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> Even we I'm... stopped watching it. Wow. wow. We, stopped... wow a... we haven't seen most of the season, in fact. It just got to the point where it was like, oh, here we go again. Okay. So, Walking Dead producers, this is my point. Since I am now the only person in the world who still watches Walking Dead every week, <laughs> you should take all of my ideas about having it become the Daryl and Michonne show. <laughs> and they just walk around like, I don't know, like a nature documentary explaining how they're going to kill this zombie and then they do it. Do you remember the old Bob this. Newhart show? Yes. No, because I'm under 300. Be quiet. In the second Bob Newhart show, it was high. Uh, I, Bob I mean, Newhart show? This is where <laughs> we went today. This is where we're going. Remember the three handymen? Yes. Daryl and the other one. This is my brother Daryl and my other brother Daryl. And right. that's Michonne walking around. These two people... Who really have nothing going anywhere. And they're just kind of wandering around doing a nature walk. And it's ridiculous. It's just like the old Bob Newhart show. Stop it. This is zombies. <laughs> Dome is angry. Goddamn right I am. That's so different from normal. I didn't know what to do with myself for a second. I'll do a little Don Rickles for you a little later. Ooh, please don't. <laughs> so, so Michael Bay did an interview this week. Where he said, I am going to be unapologetic about all the Transformer movies. So, Michael, let me help you here. Let me apologize for you for them. They suck! Yep. Pretty much. You fired that girl from the second movie? Then you brought her back? Okay. Do you mean Megan Fox? That's what I mean. He brought Megan Fox back after Megan Fox called him one of the worst directors in the universe. Oh, which may or may not be true. 
It, it, more may than may not. Let's just agree on that. X would completely agree with her. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, if you've got to sit in an interview and go, I'm not going to apologize for the Transformer movies. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I got this one for you. I'm really sorry. They were terrible. Except for Megan Fox's boobs, which were glorious. I'm not even going there. And you need to put a buck in the creepy jar. With gusto. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <sighs> so, Kriana, your favorite science fiction writer in the world is Harlan Ellison because... Because it's actually Isaac Asimov? That was not the segue I was looking Sorry, for. Sorry, Harlan. You're, you'll, you'll always be second in my heart. He would probably actually kill me for saying that. <laughs> You're right. I think he would. Or at least threaten to. Or, or maybe no, no, he would no. respect me as a person. Probably not. Probably not. No. So what did you want to talk about, Harlan Ellison, my dear? I don't know. Did I put something down about Harlan Ellison? Oh, wait, yeah, he had a Batman script that he just released. I didn't read anything about it, but I thought it was interesting that he wrote a script for the Batman show. Yeah, for the original series the in the, in the mid-60s. And I can't imagine how dark he would have made Adam West and Burt Ward. Yeah, really. Although it would have been interesting to watch. Hmm. Right? I suppose. I, I definitely. I don't know, one of my clearest memories of watching that Batman series is the part where there's some, like, innocuous, cute, funny riddle, like... And then everyone dies? No, and then Robin goes, oh, I know, somebody Russian is gonna slip on a banana peel and break their neck! And he's what? so happy about it and it's <laughs> creepy well you know they weren't really fond of russians at the time so it, it's kind of like how you justify your racist grandparents true i try not to justify mine but that's a whole other story you don't have racist grandparents mm -hmm. i did though for a while <laughs> still have one anyway yeah, we're starting to get the crickets in here. I have crickets around here somewhere. <laughs> if you rustle some papers, you might find them. There we go. <laughs> so, Harlan Ellison. Did Dome die or mute himself and then forget about it? No, I'm still here. I'm waiting to see what you're going to next. I am going to... Whatever. How about female comic book readers are up? That sounds good. Yeah, they've been taking uh, polls of this from the demographics according to The Beat. And The Beat actually does a pretty good job of this. And uh, Brett Schnecker, yes, that is the name, <laughs> uh, is the one who wrote the I'm article. I'm schnickering at that. <laughs> <laughs> Illustrator <laughs> X isn't here. That was for you, Illustrator yeah. X. But they've been watching for the last few months, and it's up to um, women have about 48%, 46% of the comic book reading polls at this point, which is pretty cool. 
And well, yeah, because, you know, essentially for, for years they've been saying that, you know, it's basically, you know, adolescent males, mm -hmm. 90%. And it's, it's nice to actually find out that that's not the case anymore. Well, you know why it's not the case anymore? No, why? Well, because now that so many comics are available online, we don't have to go into comic shops and get sexually harassed every time we want to read them. There you go. Except for Double Midnight Comics. Never get harassed there. Mm, only voluntarily. <laughs> Here's looking at you, Brett. <laughs> I'm gonna get a nasty Facebook message later. <laughs> yes. But you they are. actually, what's really cool is if you go to the site, they have this major, complicated breakdown of the amount of women who read certain comics versus others, and how many are read by men versus how many read by women. And it's actually really, really neat, especially some of the bigger ones. You still have DC, where it's mostly men. Of course, we all know why. Uh, we're, we don't have to go into that again. Um, but some of the indies, a lot of the indies, are much more friendly for women, or women are much more friendly with the indies, however you want to say that. Hey, it depends uh, what kind of woman. There you go. One of the big ones is uh, Archie Comics. Really? Yes, Archie Comics make up 52.24% of the readership. I don't get that. I never really saw the appeal there. Well, I think because it's kind of safe for little girls to read. Yeah? Is it? Yeah. Is it? You know, and they have... like, okay, look, if I had a daughter, she would not be reading Archie Comics. Would you be reading 30 Days of Night? <laughs> yes, probably. See, I don't think so. There's, there's, there's a point of progression here. Well, right, but I feel like Archie Comics reinforces horrible gender stereotypes. Not anymore. Not anymore. You I haven't looked at it lately. lately. I haven't looked at it ever. Let's face it's that. Really, <laughs> no, they've really done a lot to change. In fact, they had their first gay characters in Archie. They brought those out like two years ago. Um, and they said the readership actually went up after they did that. Oh my so. gosh, shock! <gasps> Amazement! Gay uh, people have disposable income? Who yep. was first to realize this fashion industry? <laughs> Some of the other ones that are, um, have more women readers, actually the male readers, Gold Key Comics, so again, that's kind of the... Yeah, kind of a generic... The kid uh, stuff, yep. yep. Um, kitchen Sink... NBM. That's surprising. I know that one is a little surprising. NBM actually has some really good comics for um, for kids, not for kids, but female-based character comics. Um, Slave Labor, sixty-two point twenty-six percent of the readership for Slave Labor is female. Wow! So it's pretty cool. So, my question to you guys is. is this is, there's an odd echo in here now. It's all your fault, Tom. Okay. <laughs> what are the odds of a zombie apocalypse at Christmas? I could tell you that. <laughs> there's a bedding parlor in Britain called Ladbrokes. And you can literally place a bet on anything it's there. 2,000 to 1. It is, in fact, 2,000 to 1. So... If you take one pound sterling and put it on the bet for a zombie apocalypse on December 25th and it hits, 
you're 1,999 pounds richer. Yeah, but then you have to go to England to get it. And, and also, zombie. it won't matter because it, money will have no more value <laughs> because society will have crumbled. But you're spoiling the fun of me winning a bet. I like the, I'm the just one saying, where <laughs> I would rather bet things like cigarettes or canned protein products. <laughs> <laughs> I like the one where it says the bet for Prince Harry marrying Miley Cyrus is only 500 to 1. Well, Prince Harry is somebody who does things on dares. <laughs> He's gotten himself in trouble for that. You're I'm sure that if enough people clucked like a chicken at him, he'd marry Miley Cyrus. Wow. I'm not sure how those two correlate, but I'm because with you. Because if you don't take a bet, you're a chicken dome. Chicken! <laughs> oh, boy. We've thrown the gauntlet at Prince Harry and a zombie apocalypse all in one <laughs> podcast for no apparent reason. It's the odds thing. It's the betting thing. So with Marvel movies doing exceptionally well and Marvel television annoying people but still doing well. What? What? Some, someone <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if you guys have talked about S.H.I.E.L.D. because I'm just getting real tired of it. But. Oh. See, and I'm not because unlike the rest of the world, evidently, I'm actually willing to give it some space to, to, to grow and mature. You are the only one. Evidently. It's been but almost a whole season. No, it ahead. hasn't. It's been less than ten episodes. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought you said She-Hulk. Is that not, not the truth? No, I didn't say anything What did you it. actually say? <laughs> what are we talking Shield. Shield. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, we kind of stopped watching it. Your mm. listening skills. Ah, uh, you know what? It's oh. dumb talking. I just hear She-Hulk and Harley. That's all I hear. <laughs> Meanwhile, Fox has been doing some really interesting things with the part of Marvel that they own, which at this point is the X-Men. They've already announced that there's going to be another X-Men movie before Days of Future Past is released. So they have no intention of giving up that franchise in any way, shape, or form. And on top of that, they've also said that there's going to be a new Wolverine movie as well. Because, you know, the last one did so well, and people just loved it. But where am I from? i got to tell you, um, there's a reason that they're remaking these movies. There's actually two of them. This is not a remake, Dome. Let's be clear. There's never been X-Men movies. That's right. There's a reason why, even with the domestic sales as low as they were, that they're, they're going to do another one. Number one is Fox is unwilling to give up the franchise to these the way they gave up Daredevil. Because these actually make money. And even though they don't make it... shouldn't give it up, Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm, uh, I'm fine with that. Daredevil is not a good example of anything. No, it is a good example of something they're willing to give up because they don't care about it. They care about X-Men and they care about Wolverine for two reasons. Uh, international sales and international sales. 
both of which have outstripped domestic sales by almost two to one. So that's actually interesting to me because most of the like intelligent problems I heard with the Wolverine movie, besides it was really just not good, were based on it's also kind of racist. And the Japanese and Chinese really didn't think so. They ate it up. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of interesting. That is like interesting. white on rice. That is uh, racist. No, it's not. What is racist about that? Why would that not be racist? Well, how is that racist? I think you need to put a dollar in our brand new racist jar. White, <laughs> white on rice is just an expression. It's not racist. Well, I'll explain it to you later. No, explain it to me now. No. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Because you can't. Because I can, but even for me, it's not I appropriate for I googled this. I googled it. That means it must be true. Because you read it on the internet, it has to be it's true. It's totally right. So speaking of changing the subject... The other, the, what, one of the things that American audiences don't really understand is that there are TV shows like The Mentalist... That no one likes? In, ...which are in the bottom fifth of rated shows across all four major networks but they're making so much money overseas that they're keeping it in production domestically because well, even though they're not making a lot of money domestically they're making four and five times that in uh the british market in the spanish market in the european markets I do find that interesting, and it's starting to make more sense, but my question with the X-Men movies is still, if most of their money coming in is domestic, why are they trying so hard and pouring so much into marketing and hyping these movies in the U.S., where everyone kind of rolls their eyes at this point, and says, look, the first one was good, and then they all went downhill from there. Well, look, seriously, look at it this way for just a moment. Sharktopus. Okay. <laughs> but Sharknado was awesome. <laughs> because sci-fi looked at everyone and said, this is going to be awful, and it's going to be so bad, it's going to cycle back around to good. X-Men is still aiming for good. They have not adapted the I just don't care attitude. It no, and they're not going to. To make a Sharknado. No, and they're not going to. Because I don't think they're ever going to admit that it's that kind of film. Because what, <laughs> what creates a Sharknado is the absence of caring, which then creates a vacuum and a high-pressure system moves in. <laughs> and the next thing you know, there's And then there are sharks so in a tornado. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. And then the next all... movie that comes out is Sharkaka, the sequeling. Actually, they've already come out with the next shark-based sci-fi movie title. And damn if I can't remember it right now. Well, the one that the, the director told us when X and I interviewed him was it's going to be called Sharknado, the second one. New York City. Awesome. Oh, oh God. <laughs> well, there, there's Ghost was Shark, Sharknado. There's something called Jersey Shore Shark Attack. 
<laughs> of course there is. Oh, avalanche shark. Shark avalanche. It's shark avalanche. You know, and, you know, there's uh, a whole Wikipedia category for Siffy original films that I'm now looking at. What do you think oh, is going to be the most ridiculous one? I think it's still going to be Mansquito because that's just too fun yeah. to say. Yeah, that Mansquito was, is fun. It just there, there is also there is also Blood Monkey. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Komodo versus Cobra, which I actually feel like should be on Animal Planet. There, yeah. there was Shark Swarm. Oh. So, you know, ghost shark, shark swarm. They have a shark fetish over at Sippy. I think Piranaconda. That one could have been good. <laughs> what? Piranaconda. You know I could not make this up. No. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, we can't unhear it either. <laughs> no, you cannot. You know, you all must feel the pain that I am feeling by looking at this um, lovely... So what I, think we, what I think we need to do now is move on yeah. This week's what, you don't want to watch Yeti Curse of the Snow Demon? No, I actually did watch one. that. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, I That did. sounds like a lovely holiday film for the whole family. Somebody <laughs> needs to compile all of these in a place where I can watch them all on loop or something, and um, it would be yeah, good right, for though. people yeah. who want to kill themselves, I guess. Actually, you know what's funny? But not oh, me. We've already missed it's pretty it. Funny, actually. But today, the day we are recording this, um, a friend of mine is absolutely obsessed with the sci-fi original movies. It's her birthday, and she was super excited because she took a day off from work to watch their sci-fi original movie marathon. No, actually, okay, wait a minute. I just have to bring you in on this one really awesome series. There's Dino Croc. Right. <laughs> Dino Croc versus Super Gator. I've heard of that one. And the yeah. possibly related Dino Shark. <laughs> <laughs> what will they put a shark on? I think they do it to coincide with Shark Week. Shark Week. They just yeah. do a new new shark movie every year. Well, they they've got a good. Why not? I, <laughs> I I mean, like, what what other mashups can we can we think of? There's. I mean, I feel like we need another Mansquito level of awesomeness here. I don't know. Who knows? Ghost well, Shark. Ghost sword. Shark. That was a thing. Ghost Shark has been done. I know, yeah. it has. It has. Frankenfish? Really? Yeah. Frankenfish? <laughs> That's supposed to inspire fear? I feel like you need piranha. to do something with more land mammals, like maybe a bear series. <laughs> that's what you just said. Well, there, well, there are some, I mean, there was Blood Monkey, right? Um, well, yeah. The only problem with the bear series is that it could veer off into having some of the same names as gay pornos. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's also Ice Spiders. I can't unsee that one. Nope. Okay, we need to stop. We need to stop. This we is need so to- fun. Unleash the Kraken! We need to stop. <laughs> Dead Redhead, please dig us out of this with this week's poll. This was actually a really fun poll this week. Um, we asked people what their favorite funny sci- uh, science fiction series was. Specifically, the funniest sci fi series ever. There's so- only one real answer. I am very, very sorry it was not Alf. <sighs> I am sorry to give you that information. However, we had 
<laughs> we had a really good run for the money, and by literally one vote, we had a winner. So uh, in at number three was Third Rock from the Sun. Good show. Which was a little surprising. Not that it wasn't a bad show, but it's like, wow, people remember it. That's awesome. Uh, coming in at number two was Red Dwarf. Very, very popular. I've never seen that stuff. Mm. Oh, it was a good series. It's, it's, on my, it's been on my Netflix queue for like... Ever. Yeah. <laughs> the one where they land on the planet of the hologram's ego was like my favorite one. It was completely insane. And then coming in at number one by one vote was MST3K. Oh, there you go. Always once once again, our, our, our listeners have great taste. Uh-huh. Because those are all three really, really good series. Even if nobody chose Alf. <laughs> Quark got mentioned. How many people remember Quark besides me? <laughs> besides you and me, I doubt there are very many. <laughs> And Rob, I you've been found a video cassette once of Quark for me, just so I could have it. <laughs> Rob Watts has been incredibly quiet. I can't believe Alf didn't make the the list, <laughs> <laughs> or Vicky the Robot Girl, for that matter. Oh God, yes, yeah, you're right. I remember that. Ah, oh. yeah, it was what was it? My something? Small wonder. Small wonder. <laughs> Small wonder. That's what she said. And and nobody nobody grabbed Ray Walston's My Favorite Martian. Actually, we did. We had somebody vote for My Favorite Martian. Specifically, the actually we had two people. The original one. That was a great, great, great series, and I mean that goes all the way back to the early sixties. We had two more Kid Mindy's. We had somebody nominate Firefly, which I thought was kind of weird. <laughs> Yeah, that was the, one of the funniest damn shows ever. <laughs> no. No. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. So, Rob Watts is joining us now after being stunned into submission by this first half hour. <laughs> how are you, my friend? I'm great. How are you guys? I don't know how we are. Super just... de freaking duper. I feel like I was running into you guys like all through the fall at all these cons. Like, every time I turned yeah, around. Yeah, seriously, every time you turned around, you were like, smack! Yeah. You know, cons are fun, but I, I, aren't you guys, like, happy that they're over for the rest oh, God, of the Oh, God, yes. Oh. oh, my God, yes. I am so beaten up with cons <laughs> at this point. And at this point, we're all sitting around going, which ones don't we have to go to next year? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> crawling into the new year now after doing oh. all the cons. But they're, they're great fun. I love them. So, Rob... Uh, for our listeners, if if you like the opening of the show and you like the music at the closing, it's because on top of Rob, Rob being one of the creepiest writers around, and I mean that in the best possible way. Uh, <laughs> not that Rob's creepy. He's not. No, no, not like nice. that. Thank you. Uh, you're also an incredible musician and, and uh, composer. Oh, and uh, your first two books in the... Uh, Crooked Roads Through Cedar Grove compilation, uh, Hold a Folk, and, ah, uh, what was the second one? Come on, you can do it. Crab apples. There you go. <laughs> like just saying it at the beginning of the show. Holy crap. Yeah, unfortunately, you're, the title of that book is so close to the title of another book by another author that we're all very good friends with. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, who could that be? Hmm. <laughs> 
I Lovely want... Christy. We all love her. Yeah, yes, we great. do, actually. So yep. if you're listening, Christy, mwah! Anyhow, the first two books in this series were actually kind of held together by the most tenuous of circumstances geographically more than anything else. Yes. And now your third book is due to come out in February of this coming year, February 4, uh, 2014, mm -hmm. called The Left Hand Path, which takes up immediately after Crab Apples ends. Yes. And that's very different from the transition from the first book to the second. Yeah, you know, I, I really wanted to kind of, where I'm wrapping it up is, you know, as far as the novella series goes, kind of wanted to, you know, start right off where Crab Apples ended, where it was pretty, kind of had a very terrifying ending, from what I'm told, from the readers. <laughs> um, I think that's, yeah. Raised dark brows here and there after people have read it. But I figured, you know what, let's, you know, continue right from that part of the story and move it forward with, you know, just the, uh, the terror and suspense and everything that goes along with it. Um, and, you know, later on within the story too, there'll be some kind of, um, nods to Halt the Folk as well, which was the first book in the series. Cool. And I just really want to tie everything together and, 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 you know, um, make it, just really great for the fans and the readers and everything that like, you know, and, and then it'll lead right into the final novel release with all of these stories compiled and all the, um, extended stories and chapters that I didn't include in the novella stories. The that was going to be my next question because at the end of this whole, whole ordeal, which has been going on for gosh, three, four years now. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> um, in 2015, The Crooked Roads Through Cedar Grove, which is a compilation of these three novellas, plus added material. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of stuff, you know, as a writer, I know we all want to have a love affair with every single word we commit to paper, but, you know, you have to kind of know how to self-govern yourself and take some stuff out that really doesn't belong there and, you know, or stuff that could just drag the story down and everything. So, you know, um, as far as like Hall the Folk and Crab Apples, I wrote a lot more than actually was released. So I'm taking a lot of that material, reworking it, trying to see where it fits well within the confines of the story and, you know, try to make sense of it all. And then it's all going to be added back in, um, you know, in addition with Left Hand Path, and actually Left Hand Path, there's a good portion of storyline in Left Hand Path that won't be included in the final novel release. Um, so I encourage anybody listening to this to buy Left Hand Path when it comes out because um, th there'll be kind of some secrets in stuff revealed in Left Hand Path that won't actually make it into the final release. That's odd, but is yeah. it, is it, I, I may have like hallucinated this, but in, it happens more than you might think. Well, my, when my medication isn't adjusted properly, it happens a lot more. In Crab Apples, isn't there a, uh, 
a discussion about the left-hand path? Uh, there's there's a little nod to it, yes. Uh, Son of a bitch. I knew it. Because as, as I was reading the, the stuff that you sent us, I went, I think I know exactly what he's talking about by calling it this. Mm-hmm. Okay. You, you weren't hallucinating this week. Hot damn! That's like one in a row. So. <laughs> oh, that's, that's going to be really interesting. Now, with Left Hand Path, just like the previous two books, mm-hmm. you're also going to include a soundtrack. Yes. Uh, it's going to be a little different than the previous ones. There's... There's a, um, well, anyone who read Crab Apples, um, there's a, a chapter in there where they were all like at this Halloween rave type of party, and there was a DJ spinning, you know, live music, dance music, and everything. And he kind of reappears within the story, Left Hand Path. So the music is pretty much representative of him. It's, um, you know, kind of like the soundtrack to that rave chapter within the story. So, and it's going to be um, a lot of like dance techno, kind of with uh, a lot of old school horror film um, sound bites and, and samples and everything running through it. Kind of like an old school white zombie, my life with the throw kill cult kind of vibe. So, yeah, hopefully people will like it. Well, each one of the three, as as each one of the three books has been very different, um, each one of the soundtracks has really kind of cemented the identity of that book. I mean, in Hold a Folk, having a book just essentially of Icelandic trance music mm-hmm. in Icelandic house, and in in uh, Crab Apples, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, it was it was an homage to old horror film soundtracks mm-hmm. to some degree, yeah. uh, and, and with, with some uh, modern sound brought into it as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, in each case, these CDs have really gone a long way to enhance the the reading experience. Uh, I know a couple of people who say, "Yeah, I have that CD running constantly as I was reading it, and it was creepy." it's <laughs> well, good to hear uh, and, and yeah you know i've always been a fan of kind of taking things to the next step the next level and that was what i wanted to do with the series was you know make it unique and and stand out um you know and just make it memorable and you know like when i hear stuff like that where people are like you know i i really enjoy the soundtrack some people tell me oh i, I really enjoy the soundtrack more than the story which I'm fine with that too, as long as you're enjoying something that I'm doing. (laughs) But it, 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 you know, it's, it's fun kind of like, like you said, with the traffic light CD, it was, you know, Icelandic trance um, vibe and then kind of old school eighties horror soundtrack music for crab apples. And then this is going to be different from that. Um, but, you know, I wanted them to match the character of the, each story. And, I, you know, I think I did a decent job at that. Um, but so who knows? And I'm, I'm toying with the idea of maybe doing a soundtrack for the actual novel, Crooked Road. That was going to be my next question. What do you do for that compilation novel? Do you uh, do a whole different soundtrack? Because when you, when you string the three of these together, it's kind of a different story. 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, I, I've went back and forth on that. Like, I might, uh, I'm pretty sure I would just do all new music for it. Um, uh, otherwise, maybe I'll get lazy and just call it the best of Rob Watts soundtracks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping I don't get that lazy by, you know, 2015 when this is all going to wrap up. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I think original music is definitely the way to go, though. Maybe, maybe I'll kind of reimagine the whole story tied together in my head and, and come up with something completely new that'll match up with it. Hey, and anytime you feel like uh, doing another intro for us, let me tell you, we love this one. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, you know, I'm glad, you know, and, and uh, it's, I had to remind myself at the top of the show this evening, I'm, you know, you start in the music, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, that was me. I did that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you most definitely did. Um, talk a little bit about uh, the cover design for Left Hand Path and how that came about. Um, so when I was coming up with the idea of the story and everything i you know i really wanted a cover that was gonna kind of tell its own story you know it was gonna match up with what i was writing but at the same time i wanted somebody to see this cover and go you know what the hell is that you know what why is there a trolley driving through a creepy looking cemetery and, and this and that because so, that's shit that actually happens this stuff really <laughs> happens thank you <laughs> and so but only I, here, guys. Only here. Only <laughs> in this world, right yeah. here. Exactly. Um, I, I, I did a lot of research, and I tracked this artist um, out of London down, um, um, Nicolene Van Staden, and I contacted her, and you know, I had seen her gallery of work, and I was just blown away. Um, so I talked to her. I said, I have this idea about, you know, okay, I have this trolley that kind of exists in the uh, part of Boston where I grew up. And I'm looking to incorporate that with some creepy backdrop and everything. What can we do about it? So I basically went out and took a bunch of shots of the trolleys rolling by uh, one day, and I sent them all to her. And she, in turn, she went out and shot these um, images of this really gothic looking cemetery out in in england you know around where she lives and she pretty much spliced them all together added all this nighttime effect and fog and everything and i, I was just blown away I, I said this is absolutely amazing and this is what we're going to use um so it's incredibly beautiful yeah it, it really is and i you know sometimes you just have to count your blessings when you find the right people that can you know bring your you know the um you know what you have you have in your head to life and she did a great job of that it's uh kind of unbelievable really seriously yeah yeah i and anyone listening Nic nicolinelorettedesign.uk.com she does amazing work and we're going to use where you're going to see that that uh, new book cover of Rob's uh, on our website, and we'll have a link, hopefully, to uh, Nicolette's work as well, Nicolene's work as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, she, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, I was going to say. So, and she also was kind enough to um, 
because I'm technically challenged when it comes to doing design work of my own. So um, I'm currently, while I'm working on finishing Left Hand Path, I dabbled in children's storytelling. And so my, my girlfriend and co-author of mine, we did a children's book called Snowpocalypse. And apocalypses. Snowpocalypse. And, and the follow-up will be Snownado. Just, you know. <laughs> Nice. But, but nice. Um, Nicolene was kind enough to actually take um, Susan, my girlfriend's artwork, and for, for the cover, and she actually helped us make sense of it to send to our printer. So I have to really thank her for that as well. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So you've got you've got third novella in the series coming out in February. Mm-hmm. You have a series of children's books. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is going on? What else are you doing? It's just not enough. <laughs> um, sleeping. Um, <laughs> we're trying to. Uh, uh, you know, actually, like it, it was, uh, we're talking about cons. I'm sitting here uh, as we speak, sitting there trying to schedule 2014 as far as what kind of book events I'm going to be out doing. So I'm going, running down the con list, seeing what's going to be, you know, available and what i'm going to be able to do because i plan on doing a lot more book signings next year to promote all these things um i don't know somebody invited me to do a, a soundtrack album for them um i don't know oh, if I'll cool. talk about them because they're a crazy cast of characters and you know oh well you're going to be on to talk about that soon yeah <laughs> yeah so we'll, we'll we'll just keep that uh under wraps for now for now for yeah. now now. But coming coming soon to a convention near you, hopefully. Yes. So uh, if you if you're gonna look for Rob's stuff, it's robwattsonline.com. It's not like we don't talk about it every freaking week, uh, because we do. Uh, it's uh, Left Hand Path, the latest and final in the collection, the Crooked Roads through Cedar Grove. Rob, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank really. you for having me. Kriana? Did the thing. Oh, now I need to do the other thing. Damn it! I remembered the music. Yeah, you did. You How many do you stuff? want tonight? That's the uh, question. Give me the, nec- give me the next four. Give me the next month of guests. How's that? Okay. Next week, we talk to Rob Smales about his new book, Dead of Winter. On the 21st, legendary designer Tommy Zotos. On December 28th, Matt, Laura, and Diane O'Bannon drop in to promote Dan O'Bannon's Guide to Screenplay Structure. And on January 18th, Aaron Wood shares his industrial design propaganda art. Very cool. Dead Redhead. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, Granicon, Rhode Island Comic-Con, and ComicArtHouse.com. Visit ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold the Folk, at Rob, say it with me. RobWattsOnline.com Woo! I want to thank Rob for joining us tonight because he's a cool guy and he does cool stuff that we really 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 like okay okay wait a minute i just have to say that our motto is cool shit we like and rob is like our mascot 
Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Great. <laughs> <laughs> we have so decreed it. Therefore, it must be so. Mm-hmm. I want to thank our cast from the Revere Time Vortex, the soundboard Vixen Kriana and Grammar Girl Zombrarian. Thank you so much, ladies. That was just for funsies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she forgot to unmute herself again. Evident. <laughs> from the Four Color Vault of Comics, thank you, Dead Redhead. Hi, everybody. Miss everyone. Love y'all. This is don't take a deep breath and saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>